Rollin' Rollin'. Welcome to Cling Clock, um, Aaron. Today we are going to be uh, covering a quite unique and, and, and different track from what we have done so far. Yeah, we're going to be doing our first techno track. Coming to you straight out of Berlin, straight out of uh, Bergheim. Um, and uh, it's going to be the one and only Bin Clock. Um, in his, uh, let's say, classic track of the late 2000s, 2009 to be exact, mm -hmm. Sub-Zero. Um, a little anthem of minimal techno of Germany. The track was released in 2009, um, but it really kind of captures like uh, an energy and a static from, from that like specific moment. Uh, and like maybe a specific aura that has had been going on there, specifically in the kind of Berlin techno scene. Um, and if you want to like detail it more, probably um, Bergheim, uh, where he has been like had been uh, and has been for the last 12 years, like their uh, one of their artists in residence um, years, like their uh, one of their artists in residence. Right. Ever since the beginning, ever since they opened in 2004. So mm -hmm. he, he really kind of, in some ways, uh, I've seen many people refer to him as kind of uh, laying down the groundwork for what the aesthetic is kind of coming out of Bergheim, kind of what that sound is and what that, you know, even if you just look at him, the, the kind of like clothing aesthetic, I feel like, uh, lines up even somewhat, you know, with the, like the black tee, plus the black leather jacket, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, multiple things about the aesthetic, I think, uh, yeah. kind of get, get laid down, um, through their partnership. Um, so in this episode, uh, well, Georg, how about you walk us through some biographical information about Ben Clock himself, you know, kind of, where does he come from and how, how does, uh, you know, he get started in music and whatnot. And then we're also are going to walk, uh, listeners through kind of we're not going to really give exactly a uh a techno 101 um so much in this episode as you know we will fly through a, a few of the big kind of um things to think about and consider uh since we're jumping obviously techno did not get invented in 2009 with this track so we're not trying to start at the beginning but i think it is important for our listeners to know a little bit of the groundwork, lay a little bit of that groundwork for them about how this this track came about and how the sound came about. Um, and that'll lead us to some of the influences that are adjacent to this mm -hmm. track and whatnot. And then we will uh, talk a little bit about the, the word that Georg mentioned, which is minimal, um, what that means. And then we'll break down the track itself a little bit and talk about our uh, different mm -hmm. favorite spots, our uh, reaction to the form, our reaction to the the sounds and the aesthetics, um, so that's the plan for today. So, Georg, do you want to take it away with some some stuff about who is Ben Clock? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to add. I mean, like one of, one of the I think what's um, what's interesting about and we 
want to try to capture is like I, we know that probably a lot of our listeners aren't avid techno listeners uh, so but we want to make comparisons invite them to maybe hopefully understand that music a little bit more uh, and give it a little bit more depth so um, that you will maybe see its beauty and and like how how that music kind of like what the movement within that music is and what makes it appealing. Right. Um, so that's that. But um, back to Ben Clark. He is, uh, I mean, a West German boy. He was born in 1972. Um, he, he, he was born here in, in Schöneberg, which is like, uh, I mean, one of the beautiful old uh, West German um quarters of Berlin like very much of still a very vibrant kind of uh, um, district um, it has also a lot of bars and, and, and clubs it, you know David Bowie and and some people were hanging around there in the 70s and um, you know it was very much like hippie art artists um, and there um, and and still is and, and it's like I, I think it's um, I mean, one one of the beauties about that is it's like it's also, um, I mean, uh, kind of the gay district, if you want to say. Like there are a lot of like um, um, queer older people there that you know have been there and, and built like a beautiful community. Um, so and and it puts like a very nice like kind of atmosphere there with with the coffee houses and and you know people walking with their small dogs and and, and you know super nice uh, neighborhood. Um, so he's born there, um, but you know in Germany at the time there is of course like the the wall is never far from me. Um, and so, but he was, um, he, he had some musical training as a jazz pianist uh, at an early age. Um, he like kind of was uh, grappling with uh, like, uh, you know, composing some songs and, and, and whatnot. Uh, but then, of course, uh, quickly and especially like after, uh, after the fall uh, of the wall, there was so much like the city is so vibrant and a lot of the kind of uh, kind of sleek things from West Germany and like but the kind of positive attitude and then like the more punk grungy kind of dark from the east, uh, the other side of the wall um, and um, they will come to get together a little bit more and and you know if we you know try to center it around Berkheim. Berkheim is in Friedrichshain, the neighborhood which was in the east. Um, um, so uh, and and that was a really vibrant scene. I mean, in the east there had been like a club scene as well, um, which was like much more underground. It was almost forbidden to have uh, like technos and uh, raves um, and so people were like you know doing secret raves and 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 like all like you know bringing out flyers around town to like people that you thought were interesting but but 
not like hoping that Stasi, right. the the secret police in the east, wouldn't find out. And um, uh, so when this like came together, there was like kind of also uh, an explosion and a lot of like uh, housing. Because when when the, the like wall came down and the fall of the like Soviet U Union, um, there was a lot of housing, very cheap housing. Nobody wanted to to um, be in the east, mm -hmm. uh, so so a lot of that housing was super cheap, um, and these like big warehouses that the Soviet Union had used for, and and they like mm -hmm. became then like spots for for rapes. Um, uh, and he kind of came involved, um, I mean, with uh, a lot of the these guys, and 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 particularly uh, there are like two guys, uh, Torman and uh, Teufele. Um, they were kind of uh, promoters uh, and started like very early in the nineties, like right after the the fall of the Berlin. They used a lot of the these like you know. Uh, empty spaces for for raves and 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 whatnot and first like they launched in 1992 the bunker which was like a like big heavy club um and, and then like in 1999 they founded their like really first club which was ostgut um which now is like kind of the record label um which is related to Berkheim. They later then officially opened Berkheim in, um, in like 2004, wasn't it? 2004, yep. Mm. And, yeah. And, and yeah. Ben Clock has also re released music on, since Oscar Tone became a record label, Ben Clock has been associated both with the mm -hmm. record label, releasing music through there, and then also, um, as we already mentioned, kind of ha having a basically perpetual residency um, yeah, yeah, yeah. there. And I mean the the uh, Oscut label kind of uh, they were celebrating like their fifteenth um, uh, birthday I think or sixteenth because I, I I'm not sure I couldn't find the information but they released an album last year that was called Fifteen Plus Eins which means fifteen plus one mm. which was a big big mm. uh birthday box set of all like a lot of the releases mm. um and and ben mm, cool. uh, clock had a lot of uh tracks on that as well um mm. Mm. that makes sense yeah i think the story can be told kind of interestingly as well looking at both ben clock and his frequent collaborator marcel detman um as kind of foils for one another because their music that has a lot of similarities to one another but there's also a certain amount of difference as well and it's just kind of an interesting historical anecdote because as as georg kind of set up ben clock is from this kind of very musical uh neighborhood and very kind of uh kind of hip neighborhood of west berlin um while marcel detman is from east berlin and them kind of bringing their uh maybe separate perspectives uh and separate musical aesthetics mm -hmm. kind of together in some ways i think is uh kind of a, a nice illustration of that kind of berlin minimalist sound um and kind of them coming up in, in similar generations and whatnot uh mm -hmm. and it's 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 uh, i don't know like if i fully can express i mean like 
I grew up in Germany and like one of my best friends at that time, he came over from from like kind of East in 88, like and there was a, like still the wall and everything. And these were just like to me at that time living in West Ger Germany, like a completely different kind of people. Mm. Um, they just hadn't seen the same things. They hadn't experienced any American television. Mm. They hadn't drank Coca-Cola. They had <laughs> drank Jolly Cola, you know. Their life wasn't in color like, like ours. Uh -huh. That is a ma manifestation that also like is so well expressed somehow in techno. This like uh, mm. dark ages of the Cold War. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, yeah. Right. And and also this kind of explosion that happens when you mm -hmm. bring multiple and very differing elements kind of together. I feel like it, it, mm -hmm. it kind of comes together into the synthesis uh, that is techno. And I think that actually takes us really nicely into kind of talking a little bit about, you know, one thing that I kind of wanted to highlight, as I mentioned before, is that techno wasn't necessarily wasn't invented in Berlin, but it's so interesting that kind of historical layer because there are so many kind of interesting parallels and whatnot with uh, with how things kind of happened historically in the States um, in terms of uh, African-American population in the Midwest, basically. Mm -hmm. So te techno, actually, if you want to be really, really specific and some people you know, will be sticklers about this kind of specificity, but uh, techno uh, itself is from Detroit, mm -hmm. while house music, that term, comes from Chicago. So technically those are supposed to be separated out into those two different cities. Mm -hmm. In some ways at this point in 2022, um, they've mixed and mingled together so much. Mm -hmm. It's I think it would be very hard to, to uh, find where one ends and one begins. Already in the 90s even, people from the house scene were already being influenced by the techno scene. And Detroit and Chicago, it, it's interesting also that we're uh, you know laying out this track in this way now that I think about it as well, since you are from um, West Germany and I'm from the Midwest, although I wasn't old enough, I wasn't alive yet at the uh, advent of techno in, uh, in the Midwest, sadly. Um, I think it, it is funny that we, we both have these, these geographical mm -hmm. perspectives, mm -hmm. at least, on these different places, which is kind of funny. Anyways, Detroit and Chicago aren't that far away from each other, so, uh, and I'm from Indiana, which is basically exactly in the middle of mm -hmm. the two of them. Um, and so, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of movement between D Detroit and Chicago. Um, and so you can see why there would be a lot of, you know, sharing of sounds and mm -hmm. whatnot going and sharing of parties and whatnot going back and forth between the two. Um, so really, you know, I think the thing that we want to highlight with this that I think is really interesting for this is that that sound in the Midwest, in the U.S., really develops in kind of the 80s and the 90s. Um, and you know some some of the names we're, we're going to be continuing to, to toss around, uh, especially around kind of this developing this kind of more minimal sound. People like mm -hmm. Robert Hood, Carl Craig, um, Jeff Mills, and uh, you know that sound kind of develops in the 80s, kind of starts evolving in the 90s, and it kind of comes over to Europe in some ways um, in that period of the 90s. Um, I know from reading interviews with Ben Ben Clock that we'll also link to. He mentions a lot of kind of nostalgia of the 90s of hearing these sounds for the first time and how kind of revolutionary they were for them um, over there. And so then I think it really becomes this thing where 
uh, while we don't want to lose track of you know where it started and that it kind of started in the black community mm-hmm. there becomes I think a pretty um, interesting kind of intermingling between the two because definitely even those uh, black pioneers of uh, techno also mention people that they were listening to coming over mm-hmm. from Europe as well so of course we can't have techno without Kraftwerk um, and I know also that uh, a lot of people have talked about groups like the Underground Resistance um, and how they were super influenced by um, groups mm-hmm. from the UK such as like Throbbing Gristle so you know industrial music and then also things like uh industrial body music which essentially comes from germany as well um it's basically like a mix it's it's basically like industrial music with a beat let's say um and so there's definitely like a bunch of crossover between the two so the the the, uh people making techno in uh the midwest and the u.s are definitely listening to stuff overseas and hearing that Mm -hmm. and influencing their music and then also people in berlin are then taking Mm -hmm. that techno from the u.s and kind of making their own spin on it and adding different kind of elements coming from their world. So there's a lot of kind of just fluidity and synthesis in that. Um, But I think that it's an important thing to remember. Very strong musical influence, I think, like early on was also crowd rock. With with bands like Noi and and other bands at the same right, time yeah. that were doing like really kind of minimalistic but re- repetitive kind of but with a steady kind of pulse and 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 you know this kind of where where it was about like this trans state and i think also um another thing that i i think it's interesting just to throw out especially you know we really don't know uh where all of you, whoever's listening, are coming from in terms of your uh, knowledge of techno music or or lack of knowledge of that. But I think, especially the two of us having this kind of cross, uh, kind of intercontinental um, kind of perspective on this music, I think it's interesting just to note that uh, I think, at least in the U.S., in most mainstream pockets, um, there's been essentially a a loss of techno in many ways where it's kind of seen now as i think m- many white people in the US would be surprised to know that uh techno is essentially uh, uh from the black community and i think um so th- in some ways that's been sadly a little bit lost i know a lot of interesting uh very cool artists are trying to highlight that and bring that back um that kind of knowledge back um but i think in some ways people see it as like a thing that like it became a party music of europe in some ways um and that for better or for worse i think many i know many people such as carl craig have mentioned how they kind of see that as a problem that that music has become essentially like a white party music and so I think many people here do see it as like, oh, that's something like Europeans listen to. It's not very popular mm-hmm. in the U.S. anymore. So there's there's some way where it's like it's only exists in kind of an underground here in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. and is very much not to be confused as we'll talk about with Ben Clock and what he doesn't have in his music. It's not to be confused with like what popular dance music is in the U.S., which usually we call under the acronym EDM, um, which mm-hmm. is very much not uh, – 
what these people would ever want to be associated or affiliated with. No. Um, so I think that's just almost like I almost put that out as a person from the States just to throw out to our listeners from the States who don't know anything about techno because I think they, I think many people are essentially are uh, unaware of this kind of history and these kind of like battle lines in some ways, you know? No. And it's, I mean, like for me, like I'm not from Germany, I'm, I'm from Iceland, but, mm-hmm. but I've, I've, I mean, I've lived now and then in Germany and like I have a lot of German friends and and it's and being like I've been at these clubs, I've been to Berkheim um, and like experiencing and seeing like people in our parents age that, you know, Mm -hmm. became familiar with techno like at its beginning for for no for a lot of like regular Germans. Uh, it's called they just go out dancing Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean like you know go you know like you know country bar and do like a line dancing (laughs) thing um like in the states this means like you know um putting on some nice (laughs) now putting on some nice shoes and and like you know just like uh having a few drinks and 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 some of them aren't like you know they are just like regular people that like like to dance and forget their uh, problems for a few hours and and go back home. Um, you're saying there's so, there's a, there's a mainstream there is what you're saying. Yeah, there like is that. a little bit of a mainstream, but but in yeah. like in a like I think they are in, like maybe not the the um, the main consumers of techno. The, yeah, not, yeah, these yeah. are not the people that are buying the techno. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, and like you know, so I think in that way, techno is still like an underground scene in many ways. Right. These the, these aren't like flashy personalities. These aren't right. like people who are you see in magazines or you you know these faces. You like most of them like. I didn't right, know right, how right. Ben Ben Clark looked like, you know. Right, I right, like right. read his read his name very often, but like add to yeah, yeah, actually yeah, uh-huh. like you know, um, yeah, look, yeah, yeah. So um, you're saying in, in one way, on one hand, the average Joe of Berlin is not getting into Berghain on one side, but at the same time, uh, these figures like Ben Clark and whatnot, they're not uh these kinds of uh star rock and roll uh kind of djs mm-hmm. that you know such that we think about sometimes in the states with like again these edm groups like swedish house mafia or tiesto i think are two names that pop into my head when we think of like the superstar dj kind of in the magazines going out with celebrities kind of people so it, it sits somewhere in this like yeah. weird uh underground middle um so with that maybe we can talk a little bit about uh some of the you know aesthetics and some of the um, we've already kind of mentioned some some aspects of the lineage and the history, but maybe we can tie those more directly into how that kind of turns up in the music itself. Um, you know, I think one place mm-hmm. to start with that is just talking is just addressing this uh, genre titling. You know, as we all are, I think very aware genre titling is a very strange and uncomfortable thing for most musicians and most people I think are are uh, generally know that there's some kind of confusion and uh, a little bit uh, 
kind of hard mm-hmm. to sort out exactly what why this genre and why not this genre um and so i think the first thing in some mm-hmm. ways to address is what is minimal um dance music what is minimal mm-hmm. house or te- minimal techno why minimal is it minimal i think it's kind of a weird word uh to describe this music in many ways so we can maybe trace a little bit of both the history and the music of like why that genre and then how that actually i think turns up in the bin in bin clocks music and then we'll sh- kind of show specifically in in sub-zero so again mm-hmm. w- one thing with that the first kind of i think track that uh, or record that came out with the word minimal at least that i saw uh in doing some research was this jeff mills ep called minimal nation um so I, I can't remember when that came out. I, I want to say, oh, 1994 that came out. So in the, in the early 90s, Minimal Nation comes out. Um, and again, Jeff Mills uh, is from the Detroit scene. Um, and so that minimal sound kind of really starts to latch on uh, and that minimal as a genre titling uh, kind of latches on there. But we can even, you know, I think one th- interesting thing, especially for people in the US to think about uh, when they're thinking about that sound and also its relationship with, with the black community. In many ways, if you think of uh, hip hop music, which has become much more popular and mainstream in the US than techno, um, early hip hop, you know, Run DMC and NWA of the time, that production quality, if you think about what is minimal or what be, could be called minimal of that that type of music and that style, I think that in many ways is a precursor and it is mingling at the same time as mm-hmm. what the sound is. You know, you get these 808s and these metallic kinds of sounds um, and these early synthesized sounds with mm-hmm. not that much else. You know, a lot of Run DMC is mm-hmm. maybe one, one sample going on and yeah. then a drum yeah. beat basically, you know, and then the rap mm-hmm. on top. So it doesn't have a, a, a ton of layers there, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that, 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 that makes it not that hard to understand how that kind of minimal idea and that minimal sound can kind of come out of uh, you know, black music of the 80s and 90s. And then, Georg, maybe if you want to talk a little bit, you mentioned a little bit about like Noi and whatnot and uh, Krautrock, uh, but I think there's also like mm-hmm. a lot, I think that that minimal idea isn't so unfamiliar to things like punk, um, things like uh, the no. n- new wave mm-hmm. scene, um, you know, things like in, how industrial and punk kind of come together too. I think there's certain minimal elements to those things as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, this is also like, I think, like, very some somehow connected to like German aesthetics. If you just think about like Bauhaus, um, you know, architecture or, or, or Mm -hmm. like a design, like kind of how everything is put together and like, you know, super kind of sleek uh, design. Um, and that music has these qualities in many ways, although it has also a lot of like lo-fi mm. qualities um, from the kind of punk thing. And it's kind of this like mm. really beautiful mixture of, of these like sub- mm-hmm. subtle, harsh things, um, which, right, right. you know, come from maybe like the more kind of rebellious, yeah. uh, punkish um things but and but also there is like a really kind of i think like a lineage to uh-huh. the more kind of scientific approach right. uh, 
clean lines um and and like i mean like uh, noi the band was hanging around with uh with like in Köln uh, and the, and a radio station with uh with Stockhausen um so they got introduced to mm. like also minimal music through him from 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 the states so i i i think that like um I mean, maybe it's interesting to just like think about that. I mean, for people that are like not familiar with techno, but are familiar with other music history to try to see it through um, and connect it with minimal, uh, minimalism in general. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting that, that you mentioned. Uh, I hadn't thought of uh, Stockhausen um, in the mix of um, kind of when we're thinking about techno. Um, that wasn't a note that I made, but now that you mention it, it makes me think of even kind of like, I think you're right about the essentially like high-low mixture that comes together in this type of music that is really uh, compelling and really really a beautiful kind of in-between of the two, you know, kind of meeting of the two things. It makes me think about, you know, um, with Stockhausen's early electronic uh, mm-hmm. experiments and whatnot, mm-hmm. You know, so many of the, uh, so much of, I think, people's backlash against that in many ways is in regards mm-hmm. to the power structure of making early electronic music, right? Like, Stockhausen had to go to the radio station, and the radio station's owned by the government, and you have to, you know, be someone with the cultural capital like Stockhausen to be able to experiment with these early machines and to make these essentially just like sine wave tracks right um we well we can play a little uh example of you know maybe like stockhausen studio or something like that it, it's also just like important to know that like even not only like crowd rock bands and and like ralph hüchter and for florian schneider you know these were the guys in Kraftwerk. um so and they were like you know they they were working in the studio with stockhausen as like tech people and and heard these sounds probably for the first time there yeah it's interesting to think about like those sounds though being this kind of like you know if you think about the stockhausen electronic music aesthetic like these very pure tones and these it's very kind of hi-fi and there's i i don't think anyone would call that you know having lo-fi elements in it you know it has like top of the line machinery and it's all calibrated like you said in this very scientific way and he has lab assistants it's the places the making of the music is even set up in a kind of uh scientific like atmosphere and so i think this music is so beautiful and interesting in the way that it almost like latches on to certain ideas and aesthetics from that music but essentially as the materials to make the music became more democratized through you know the corporations like the Roland Corporation and the Yamaha Corporation the, and the Cord Corporation making uh, you know these tools like the 808 and the 909 and you know different samplers and whatnot as they're making these uh, commercially available and they're become they become affordable for you know middle class people or whatnot um, it's almost like this weird thing where that kind of style and those kinds of aesthetics kind of get remembered and kind of passed down through people you know who who worked in Kraftwerk and then people listen to Kraftwerk and then you know take those different things and then anyways it's this really interesting place where because of that democratization 
that high fi is able to meet the low fi where the uh, the people aren't able to you know get in with the cultural institution and work with these big Stockhausen mm. uh, machinery and the perfect you know impeccably set up sine wave tables and the impeccable you know fancy ten thousand dollar mixers but maybe they have like two pieces of those equipment uh, uh, two pieces of those equipment and they're able to take those kind of same ideas and then make this music with it so yeah anyways it's just and it does have this kind of like and still today in many ways uh you know there's a lot of stuff about bergein today trying to fight against any kind of like uh it turning into too much of a i don't know hoity-toity kind of like uh too easy to get in or you know there, it still wants to to be underground and diy in some ways uh, it's such an interesting institution I and mean, I call it an institution because it, it has become like a home or a shrine to kind of this kind of music, but also a certain kind of lifestyle. So there you have the panorama bar, which, which is a small like where you can sit down and the music is um, a, a, a little mm -hmm. bit more housey. Right. And then the, like kind of the main room, which has like the big blast like sound system. That was formerly like at the beginning a gay club, so there is like uh, a very specific also like uh, I mean all inclusive, uh, very um, an atmosphere of warmth and like freedom and togetherness uh, and and like you know and and creating some kind of a community with within that and and of course now like a lot of like in when when there is not COVID and it's actually open then like a lot of tourists uh of course are there to experience the thing if they get in um but at the same time it's it's uh it's supposed there there is this i think like a kind of like a liberating thing for people um you know the the experience should be liberating in a way to be like feeling a part of and i think that like back to kind of Berlin, it um, uh, commemorates. Can you say that? Is that the right word? What, what do you mean? <laughs> kind of, uh, no, it's, I mean, it, it, it's a manifestation, I think, uh, like kind of a, the union of the East and West in uh, many ways, uh -huh. where, where these like undergrounds of both sides, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh -huh. there, um, yeah. and there is that kind of aura, um, which is hard to really kind of grasp. It's kind of like, uh, you know, an experience. But back to kind of the, the, the lineage, uh, be, because I think it's interesting, especially like if we start focusing a little bit on the track um, uh, itself, Sub-Zero, um, there is this lineage from what we call like classical minimalism he he said sell like himself in an interview wasn't it uh, that he had he had yeah in a resident mm -hmm. advisor interview yeah. yeah where he had listened to like uh, stevie reich's um 18 inch uh, music for 18th instruments um and like you know it's he he kind of then like understood a little bit the function and how minimalism could actually work sometimes it's like for people that that haven't really like given it a thought it's it might be hard to really define what is good techno and what is bad techno and what works and and what 
doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a little bit of like, you know, trying to experience it, being in the moment. But then you start noticing like the same thing that was present in a lot of like of the good minimal, uh, <laughs> classic minimalist pieces, which was like kind of uh, the process, the, the, the inner workings of, of the thing that there is something going on. There are slight changes that you are, are maybe sometimes supposed to notice, but sometimes not. Yeah, definitely, and I think, especially like the, I think the, the 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 technique to like really highlight with that kind of, I think in some ways kind of like uh, with that kind of bandit version of classical minimalism coming into techno is this idea of, uh, of Steve Reich's that he wrote a paper of, which is musical music as a gradual mm-hmm. process. So. You know, we can link to that paper as well because I think it's a really, uh, you know, illuminating kind of way of thinking about how music works, not only in the craft of making it, but how it's supposed to be perceived in some ways, where we're mm-hmm. supposed to be able to see these kind of like geological layers in motion as mm-hmm. part of the experience of perception, um, mm-hmm. and and that we're supposed to actually see the inner workings of it on both sides essentially and i think with with ben clock's music with a lot of this kind of minimal techno music coming out of berlin i think that that becomes very seeped in in some ways and and one of the big processes with that is a technique that is often used in this kind of processing kind of way this processual way is phasing um there are a few instances even in sub-zero where he plays with phasing a little bit and that's kind of steve reich's famous technique you know that that comes out of his experiments with tape loops, um, and it's gonna rain and uh, come out to show them, um, and uh, and then of course in like piano phase and violin phase, um, but then also in music for eighteen instruments is a great example of that as well. So um, we'll, we'll see that a little bit in uh, in Ben Clock's music, but also just this idea, of, like I mean we haven't actually even mentioned it the word once yet I think, but even just repetition. <laughs> I think it is kind of implicit when we're talking about uh, classical minimalism, um, but the power of repeating something, not just once, not just twice, not just, you know, uh, not just a clean four times like we get in a lot of pop music, but it's taking that four times and like greatly expanding it out, right? Like, um, you know, it might be a thing where, especially one thing I think that's very helpful to mention that we also haven't mentioned in in reference to Berghain is that 
we're gonna be looking at this track that's literally a six minute track, which in pop music is a very long track, right? It's like two pop tracks. Um, but in many ways, it's just a very small sliver of how this music actually functions in its uh, normal environment, it's in, in its normal context, right? Because uh, for for most, for our, for our mom and pop listeners, um, Bear Gein functions in this way where what the 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 party starts at like maybe midnight and then it goes until like you know six in the morning two days later basically mm -hmm. so and it's like maybe probably four or five uh djs playing so there are these incredibly long you know tectonic uh kind of slabs of music happening um, throughout multiple days and so people are playing really long sets and so you can see why a repetitive minimalist aesthetic uh, would really thrive there where people can really play with one's kind of like like Georg used the word trance where where one can play with one's perception of something being repeated not four times not eight times but for maybe four hours straight there might be this underlying process or it might be this underlying repetition that's happening or this underlying loop that keeps coming in and out you know i don't want to like uh, say that it's boring but it's re repetition but <laughs> it reminded me just of the john cage uh, quote if right. something is boring after two minutes try it for four right. if it's still boring then eight then 16 then 32 and he keeps on yeah um, exactly and and i the think it's in in in, in silence yeah and and that's something like you know it's the, you just you know it's an experience like you know you just kind of let go and you right um and you don't think you you lose track of time somehow right um, yeah and it's one of the kind of beauties of 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 this kind of music it um yeah kind of makes you perceive time and and think about time and and like how things evolve right. like kind of over longer periods of time right I mean, it's interesting you bring up the John Cage quote because that literally links up so interestingly to a quote from Marcel Detman, who we've mentioned, who's a frequent collaborator of Ben Clock. In, in a magazine in Berlin, he said, techno is a loop for me, but it's only when I can hear a loop for five or six hours that I can take it in. So it's really like, a, that's just a paraphrase of the John Cage quote in many ways. Um, so yeah, this, this track now that we can move to maybe laying out you know the small layer form uh of the six minute track is really just a sliver of what would normally go into like a much longer set so you know in some ways we have to think about it as a kind of abstraction uh out of context mm -hmm. in some ways yeah. um but anyways it still has it's still very you know easily listened to as its own standalone thing um and so yeah, let's talk a little bit about what what's the form and how is this laid out uh, for Sub Zero. I heard it uh, early on, like I think in two thousand nine, and my friend who is like uh, very much a techno guy, he introduced me and said like this minimal thing that's going on in Germany that's just like the nicest shit, and, <laughs> and he was like he was like so like kind of excited, and he had spent a summer uh -huh. here in Berlin experience like you know being at the clubs and you know and he uh, he played me that song and and uh it's it's so i mean right from the get-go like kind of it just hits you that like very distinctive uh bass drum 
I saw on <laughs> um, on on Reddit somewhere uh, or some something that somebody got, does he admit that the bring kick in, is he's ju- bringing out the he's bringing out the conspiracies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does he admit that the kick is just a preset kick from Massive? <laughs> it's called Acolyte <laughs> Two. Um, but it's uh, for for me like okay, that guy isn't listening. Um, the the like main kick kick might be there, but do you hear like if you have it loud enough, you hear that. like far in the background yeah, there is this little sound um, behind it yeah and, and there is like true, you know yeah. it's almost like this like little pitchy thing that creates like a little bit more an expansion yeah. more sound like uh, and depth already and just like the bass right, drum right um and 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 then the the other like okay the kick is pretty cons- constant throughout mm-hmm. except for like kind of the main drop which we'll get mm-hmm. to later but right. then the kind of uh, next really important layer comes in, which is also a constant, which is like the the kind of main synth uh, pad line. Right. And some variation of that is always present. So of these two, right. could we say like uh, main frame layers or? Yeah, those those are yeah. I think that those 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 are a bit essentially constant. That's that that that's the mm. ground. That's the ground that everything mm. else kind of stands on. And um, mm-hmm. and, and and also interestingly, you meant you use the word depth, which I think is the other big. Um, kind of draw to me for this track immediately is it's interesting right right when you said uh, right when the kick drum comes in you already like you said hear that the kick drum itself already has this layer and this depth mm-hmm. within it where it has the drum itself um, very round you know uh, basically uh, usual kind of kick drum sound but then it has this kind of halo I'd say kind of right behind it um, that's off in the distance that uh, even just that one sound has all these layers and all this depth to it. But really the track, by having that ground, that constancy, um, what he's able to do interestingly is he has a lot of room and a lot of freedom to play with perspective, foreground and background and a lot of different layers. Mm-hmm. Essentially the whole, whole track is just adding on these different layers and taking them off, adding a new one on, taking it off. But mm-hmm. each of those layers always are in a different perspective or always some of them are kind of coming from beneath the ground and then popping out and then going back in or another mm-hmm. one is maybe going off in the distance coming a little bit closer and then going back away or then someone is just popping up right in front of the you know constant ground and then it just gets shut off mm-hmm. so it has all these different kinds of like almost spatial yeah de- definitely spatialized almost like 360 degree kind of uh layering work which i think is very mm-hmm. almost like it like morton feldman talked about uh you know weaving carpets uh and how mm-hmm. he, he uses repetition Thank you. 
think I think Sub Zero, you could very easily see it as like a, a woven mm -hmm. material where different things, patterns are popping in and out and kind of then disappearing, mm -hmm. and it has a lot of like spatiality to it. But I mean, I mean, good classical uh, minimalism and good techno does the same thing, where it's able to create like the sense of motion without just like with minimal changes and. And there, I think it's both done with kind of depth and like kind of creating these shadows behind that, you know, your ears is always uh, lurking what's next in the kind of journey. Um, and, you know, e even like, you know, when when the line has been going like, ding, 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 like after like, I think four repeats, there's just like then like, I'm like he opens up like a tiny filter right. or something that creates this like, And, and like you know and another shadow right. comes in and all these like and the slapping sounds that comes a little bit later right well even like you mentioned the the, the sounds themselves the samples themselves are are very uh detailed and intricate sounds you know i think again bringing up the kind of genre problem i think like like uh, with uh, classical minimalism or some of it at least um there is this problem where we think minimal means not that many pieces or we think it means simplistic mm -hmm. or we think it means um you know uh you know only one thing happens or no we think it means no development all these kinds of things mm -hmm. It sometimes can have elements of those things, but in so many ways, again, like with the carpet analogy from Morton Feldman, I think this track, I think, is highly intricate. Like, I think, you know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't do a full count of all the different samples, but there there are a surprising, through multiple listens, you keep hearing that there's like just this one little high-pitched sound in the background at this one point, or there's mm -hmm. this one little thing in your left ear. You know, it's a very right. intricately woven track that is anything but simple in many ways. And there, there are little mm -hmm. things too that happen, especially we brought up the phasing of Steve Reich. Um, there are these couple of sounds, like uh, there's, a, there's a sound at 48 seconds in, um, and then another sound mm -hmm. at the tail end of the track at f about 520, where he plays with phasing a little bit, where it's a sample that doesn't, it matches up with the tempo for a moment, but then it kind of slips away basically is the, and the, so the perception of that is this thing that almost essentially sounds like it's running at a different speed or it's running in a different tempo. Um, and so there's, th there's nothing simple about that. It's a very complex, kind of interaction between sounds and very complex textures, like you mentioned, all these noise sounds. Um, there, there's very little that's actually minimal in this, other than I think in many ways, aesthetically, like you mentioned, this kind of space, it's almost like the minimal is the space on the other side of the sounds and that he allows this kind of like mm -hmm. hollow openness and this, which I think in some ways translates as this kind of, it, it, through the metallic, nature of many of the sound mm -hmm. samples and through the kind of coldness that comes with the metallic sound you get this uh kind of you get this kind of space that you can really hear uh on the other side of the sounds and i think in mm -hmm. some ways at least at least with this track but i think with other minimalist um techno tracks as well 
the the minimalism in some ways comes from that those sharing of of aesthetics and those sharings of sound quality basically mm -hmm. yeah and i mean by keeping these like two elements like on the forefront and a lot of the other as like background material mm. and like mm -hmm. creating that space as you were talking about there's also like a really nice like focus he's not like you know massifying his soundscape like and <laughs> filling up pitch space he's really right. making room for for those elements that come to shine on their own and i think that lends itself right. like also to to very well to kind of a life set where you have these elements that you have a lot of control over and i think that right, like right, right. kind of kind of control of him makes that track like also well you there is right, no right. element that's just like that you feel that he hasn't fully in his hands like right well he could change yeah. at any moment like, yeah 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 know. right well that's one of the i think really interesting formal perspectives or formal perceptions of this track where in many ways one of the ways i think the minimalism happens in this track is that the the form the the macro form i think is over not overly complex where like you mentioned there's mm -hmm. essentially a drop um mm -hmm. it's it's not like a, a again i i i only use that term because you did georg but i, I usually hesitate to say that term in, in the states just because it is so associated with the oversaturation of that kind of cliche and music like edm mm -hmm. and whatnot where the drop yeah. is this kind of like you know uh you know climactic moment uh that mm -hmm. kind of always happens in the same place etc cetera, etc cetera. anyways i think more specifically with this track there's essentially a point where the kick drum gets very gently pulled out basically I think you can see it essentially as these two big chunks there's the first mm -hmm. half there's the drop or the, maybe the first two-thirds there's the drop let's mm -hmm. say and then there's the the last third but with again pulling out the language of minimalism with that throughout other than that pulling away of the kick drum part there's the ground that Georg highlighted of these two elements runs throughout the whole thing so there's um, it's minimal in that the form, the macro form is not overly complex. It gives us a ground mm -hmm. that helps us with that driving element and helps us with like that control that you're mentioning, where if you have this one thing in place, it gives that uh, as a thing for people to latch onto. But then what's so interesting about it and what I think Ben Clock does so kind of, uh, does so creatively in this, um, and so artistically in this and so kind of like, compositionally in a like very composery craft way is that the micro form is not simple the mi the micro mm -hmm. the things that happen in the micro are not minimal again um and this is where we get the intricateness of it is that i, I couldn't recall to you all of the different sounds and different things that pop in and out 
and I couldn't lay out that form for you. And so by having such a basic macro form, I think, that allows us, again, a lot of freedom and a lot of control. I, I don't know why I say us. Uh, it, people making music. Um, if you have this macro form that is easy, easy to follow enough um, and is simple enough where it's not crowding your attention, you can do a lot of intricate stuff that's very complex, actually, um, in the more micro side of things. So I think in some ways that's where that priority lies, too. But you mentioned like the different frequency band thing. The thing I was surprised about to listen to this when, when doing a close listen was that you're right that he doesn't fill up the whole frequency, and that's part of the minimalism too. Um, but I was so surprised to hear that he's very... Um, it, 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 there is a, some kind of a... It's not maximal character, but he does surprisingly fill out the whole frequency range, but in specific mm -hmm. bands. So like... Instead of, instead of part of the, the aesthetic, or not part of the aesthetic would be making a mm -hmm. muddy sound, I mm -hmm. think. That would be, go against the, the minimal house aesthetic. Um, and, but with the minimal house aesthetic, it, I think, involves this kind of precision um, that's involved in Ben Clock's music, where he so carefully... I, I was so taken aback by really all the kind of main all the frequency bands were were had something placed very carefully in them but with plenty of space on either side where i was surprised that even in you know parts of the higher range um there would be these sounds where again there would be something in the you know maybe mid highs that happened but there would be something right mm -hmm. beyond it mm -hmm. on the high highs that was just sitting um, right behind it, but it didn't sound muddy. Yeah, he was yeah. able to place them in like yeah. these perfect frequency mm -hmm. bands where he could have very complex things all happening at once, but they all stay mm -hmm. in their lanes. Yeah, and especially you know? like right from like I think it's minute 130 or something, where it's like kind of we hear the first instance of a hi hat. Like the first instance is in 119, and it's much more wider. And then he kind of like equalizes it down to like or thins it out into like. But then you get that other element, which is like on the offbeat, like, um, which kind of like creates these like yeah. really interesting right. like kind right. of. Uh, almost like little po polyrhythmic aspects or yeah. for, for little right, snippets right. Um, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, and not just polyrhythmic but the poly sometimes the uh, those kinds of syncopations and whatnot are also placed around in space in your ears which I found uh, really pleasurable you know these things like uh, I noticed at like minute 103 um, there's this metallic banging sound that kind of happens and it's you know thrown throughout each bang basically it's moved over from right to left basically and, but there are all these things where he's lit he's part of the with the precision of putting in the right uh frequency uh band is also where to place it spatially so that it doesn't muddy up and doesn't interact um in a negative uh way with any of the other sounds so you know you can have these multiple elements and these intricate elements happening together but as long as you space them out and have the right kind of space in between 
both in space, um, in, both in uh, location space, um, in the sound field, but also in the frequency band space. Um, it's almost like that seems to be to be the kind of craft of this piece in many ways, where mm -hmm. he, he's he like you said he has so much control and so much specificity and so much kind of precision of where he puts every little element, you know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so again, yeah. like minimalism isn't. In, especially in this case it isn't simple in many ways it's highly detail oriented but some of the changes like you were mentioning all those filter changes are the minimal in some ways is like minimal in terms of magnification like it's minimal in mm -hmm. terms of uh the things that are happening are so subtle you need to almost put it up to your face um mm -hmm. to be able to read it or read mm -hmm. it through a microscope or something like that you know yeah but if we also think about like uh, pitch things throughout, mm -hmm. we have we have this line, ding, da 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 ding, like kind of the 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 main kind of theme, um, right. and and that is like you know the sound of that is changed, like you know sometimes, right, and sometimes it, it yeah. comes I think uh, in like an octave and a third right. or something, right, like, right, right. Hey, yeah. Yeah, um, and then it goes back to like unison or like right. the both oscillators are playing kind of the you know the the same line but here and there you get these like and and that's like far in the background you get these like kind of like driving you and centering you at moments especially like you know when when the breaks comes it's it's also a really beautiful moment like where he um we i mean at 3 30 um he, he the hi-hat becomes like you know more thicker more um and right, and, right. and when the bass drops out and he kind of uh you know, he closes the filter on the like main synth, like, and it becomes like it, it's in another room kind of uh, sound, where it's like, like you know, you are, right, you know, right. uh, the party party is upstairs and you and you can't get there. <laughs> but uh, and at at that moment, the kind of like you know, he opens up the filter on the hi hat, and it becomes this like. And out of that, like he plays with that, it's still there, but it also then comes, grows out of it, like kind of a white noise that's like for the. like everything would go crazy 
like at that moment he went right right right, but right. he kind of like very right. gently like throws the baseline in and like everything yeah. else like right. all filters right. closed and it's like back to kind of the 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 warm right, comfort right. of 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 the kind of right you, you know i hadn't thought about it that way but that is such a good way to put the difference is that um the difference between like types of drops um mm -hmm. and I, I would in in so many ways aligns with uh, i think ben clocks um even his own description of himself and his own priorities mm -hmm. and his own music um where the the minimal house drop or you know the, this kind of refined let's say techno music drop thing mm -hmm. is in some ways this sense of uh the thing that happens before is a destabilization and then it and then it restabilizes mm -hmm. right like it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a stable yeah. that, that that the drop is really just getting us back into a center and getting us back into the mm -hmm. groove getting us restabilized again and mm -hmm. like you said kind of it involves this kind of like coming back to home mm -hmm. in some ways, um, and uh, but what what the drop is in EDM in many ways is this maximal point mm -hmm. where every it's like now and eleven, you know, and, mm -hmm. and and biggest climax ever that happened in the whole world, right? Like it's like this very oh, the confetti comes out like boom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always mm -hmm. confetti. Yeah, every yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, that and I think that's a big difference in in many ways. Like again, we'll link to some interviews that we read up on Ben Frost for this for this uh, discussion as well. But he even talks about with his own music. Um, you know, the music he doesn't like, he says, is always this kind of overprocessed, um, kind of uh, very machine sounding and not human mm -hmm. sounding, kind of uh, very polished. Um, everything front, everything up front. No, no kind of perspective and layering, mm -hmm. no kind of like subtlety to it. Um, and, you know, he's, I don't think I heard him ever diss EDM itself as a, you know, as a, uh, as a genre or industry, but it basically sounds like that's what he's kind of trying to distinguish himself from um, in terms of subtlety, lack of subtlety. <laughs> of this particular track of Ben Clock. Um, as we mentioned the, the name before, I'm sure we'll be doing another Ben Clock track in the future, especially some stuff maybe with his frequent collaborator, Marcel Detman, because they have some really beautiful tracks released together on uh, Ben Clock's uh, record label called Clockworks. Um, so you can check out Clockworks um, if you are into this type of music. Um, and we'll probably be breaking down some more. Let us know if this was, you know, helpful for you to kind of get into this kind of music. Um, you know, we're kind of trying to do that same thing with each kind of episode, both, you know, maybe on one hand, the Oblinger side of things, that kind of aesthetic, trying to get into that, even on this side of things or on the hip hop side of things, you know, trying to bring 
you into closer contact with the music. Um, and hopefully this does that for you. Let us know if, especially be curious to hear if those of you listening, you know, again, were people who were maybe were very opposed to techno and maybe were help, able to help you get a little bit um, more understanding or context. Uh, that would be interesting to hear. But yeah, any last words, Georg? I sincerely hope that you've uh, enjoyed this journey with us uh, exploring um, Sub-Zero by Ben Kroc, uh, one of the stable house and, and, and most uh, important players in like kind of the Berlin techno scene. Thank you all for listening. Like and subscribe. Find us on all the music players, uh, all the socials, and... Till next time. I'm nothing special. This was episode six. Ben Clock, Sub Zero. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the music. If I tell a joke.